What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined always by my main man, Stephen Thompson. Find us on YouTube.com slash All Steelers Talk and subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. The Pittsburgh Steelers get their first win of the 2023 regular season with a 26-22 defeat over the Cleveland Browns in Week 2 at Akershire Stadium. Monday Night Football was bumping. It was very nice to see a Pittsburgh Steelers fan takeover after, I want to say, a disappointing week one, both in the stands and on the field by the black and gold. It's a beautiful, crisp fall day in the Berg. It was a it was a perfect night for football last night. Plenty to talk about. Kenny Pickett, Matt Canada, the defense that might just keep winning the Pittsburgh Steelers games and where the expectations currently sit for this team. But first, as always... Coming off a win, how you feeling, my friend? Feeling good. Uh, I felt like one of the most. So that every part of that game was ridiculous. Yes. They were you know, like it was. It was an incredibly stupid game, but an incredibly entertaining game. Like that was a that was a college football game. Like for people who watch the NFL and don't watch college football, that's that's basically every college football game. There are a million yeah. turnovers, million dumb mistakes that could have been avoided, and you're like, oh, if they just didn't make that, you know, two or three dumb mistakes, they would have won this game by three scores or whatever. But um, so it was a very college football game in that sense. And, but I also thought the, uh, the crowd was like incredible. There was boo city had some pent up aggression and <laughs> they let it go in both ways. Like yes. cheers were super loud, but also the, I mean, there was, there was the other side of, of some jeers and stuff like that. So, yeah. but it was, it was cool just to see that, that crowd like kind of come back after having to sit on their hands for basically all of, all of week one. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It was it was very nice. It was very loud. Like the energy was crazy. And what was wild is walking into the stadium. I said it in my to go or in my walkover video. Like it was quiet, man. It was there was not many people out there. I get it. I was a little bit early, but there just didn't seem to be like a, a giant rush, a gi- giant crowd. By the time kickoff started, like it, you know how usually everybody kind of they fill in as the the opening kick and everything kind of comes in and by like a quarter of the way through the first quarter, the fans, the the stands are filled by kickoff. That place was loaded. Like there wasn't an empty seat in the house, which was awesome to see. But just like you said, it was, it was as crazy as it got. What was your, uh, and I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not here to pick on anybody, but some people need to be picked on. What was your favorite Gunnar Olszewski moment of last night? Oh, it was easily <laughs> the catching the putt, catching the kickoff before it went out of bounds, and then like calling for the penalty afterwards, being oh, yeah. like, "No, no, I was out of bounds. I was yeah. out of bounds. No, dude, you actively <laughs> tried to keep to toe tap and keep your feet in bounds. Like you did a great job of it. Yeah, but, it was a fantastic toe tap. Yeah, fantastic if that was if that was a pass, you know, that would have been great. But no, that was that was my favorite one to do the wrong thing. To do the wrong thing, do it so well, and then say, "No, I actually, I actually got it right on a technicality like yeah. that." That was crazy. Yeah. No, it, it was almost as if, like I don't know what went through his head, and you know, we we don't we, we're obviously not going to get to talk to him because he's in concussion protocol. But you know, it, it's almost as if he watched that ball go in the air, and as it was coming, he was just like he was. It was like he was a wide receiver. He was like, "Oh, I got to catch this pass," and then he and then it happened. And he was like, "Oh my gosh, this was a kickoff. What do we do?" And he just pointed. It was. Yeah, it was his, uh it was a bad one. And then obviously he left the game concussion, but that play, I don't even I don't even blame him for that one. Good hit by Denzel Ward, I guess. Bad yeah. throw by Kenny Pickett. Wild play overall by both sides on that fumble. That was just 
Yeah, because that, that was, was the one. Awesome to watch. Because that was the one that got tipped around like three times. Yeah, like, and then ended up out of bounds. Yeah, Browns somehow got the ball. Like, whatever. The the ending of the first quarter was absolute. It was crazy. I remember yeah. looking at the clock in the second quarter. There was like nine minutes, ten minutes left or something. And I was like, man, the second quarter feels like it's going forever. And then I was like, oh no, the end of the first quarter took like forty five minutes. So we just got we're just getting back on track as it goes. Yeah, it was uh just like you said, it was a drunk game. It was a college football. Everybody was hammered. It was a good time type of uh, type of Monday night football that the Pittsburgh Steelers did win. So I guess, you know, if you're going to be on an end of a, of a wild game, you'd rather be on the victorious end. How they did win is rather concerning. TJ Watt scores a touchdown to end the game. Alex Highsmith scores a touchdown to begin the game. Shout out to those two. And the Pittsburgh Steelers might have the most deadly pass rushing combination in the NFL. We're going to dive into that a little bit later, but the offense was was rough. Very rough. And while Kenny Pickett struggled, and we obviously have to talk about that, the fans could not make it more clear where they stand with Matt Canada. And at this point, it's becoming, you know, a pretty serious question about how much longer people are going to stick around to watch a guy that they very obviously do not want here. The fire Matt Canada chance started in the fourth quarter after a third down run that was unsuccessful by Kenny Pickett. And look, and I've been covering this team for five years. I've heard a lot of chants. I've heard a lot of boos. I've heard Ben Roethlisberger get booed. I have never once heard a chant that in unison and that loud, especially after the team is up and winning in Acrisure Stadium ever in my existence. And uh, at this point, I think the Pittsburgh Steelers, even if they say they didn't hear it, they got to somebody's got to be paying attention, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, that's I think just kind of it's not coach speak because it's coming from the players but it is it is a deflection it is you're not trying to throw your guy under the bus um it is trying to be kind to Matt Canada which you could appreciate but yeah those were way too loud not to hear and it's way too obvious and uh it was you, you were right it was it was a little jarring to like hear that so comes through so clearly um it was how was it on the was it crazy on the on the tv was it just as loud yeah, I mean, I could hear it, which, you know, like, I feel like in football stadiums, you very rarely hear, like, like you said, like, a chant that loud, that in unison, yeah. like, you know, in, in, in different sports, I feel like that's much more common in football. That just doesn't happen very often. You have to have a a fan base that has one mind and one goal and, like, knows what's going on. Um, So it, it was wild. Um, I, And I thought the wilder part was, man, I didn't even think – Matt Canada was like the worst part of the offense in this, in this game. Um, like I, I think there were plays out there that Kenny Pickett did not make that were much more glaring than some of the play calling decisions, quite honestly. Yeah. I look at, I, I don't think Kenny Pickett is, is the guy right now. I think it's super concerning. And I think that fans and coaches and players and everybody are, are making a lot of excuses as to why this guy isn't it like, you know, a lot of people were blaming the offensive line last night. I thought the offensive line played fine. Um, a lot of people were playing, blaming the running game. I thought the running game was fine. It, uh, Kenny Pickett struggled. He's going to continue to struggle. Not sure if in my head right now, if I had to predict the future, just judged off of what we've seen, Kenny Pickett is not the long-term quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers and it's concerning, but 
if you're an NFL franchise, you have to you have to take it in steps. You know, like you you don't just give up on the guy that you drafted in the first round a year ago this early and say, oh, he's not it. You know, you you do the things around him to try to make him as comfortable as possible. And the first step there is obviously Matt Canada. And and I think like, you know, for as much as Kenny did struggle, Matt, Matt stunk last night. Matt was terrible. The 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 inability to stick to normal football in huge moments just blows my mind. Like you get down the field on runs, you get down the field on short passes, and then you find yourself in third and one situations. And no matter how many times Najee Harris can prove to you that he could get a yard and he's one of the toughest runners in football and Jalen Warren too, especially last night, you're, you're going to run a, a, an option with Kenny Pickett out of the shotgun. Like that just doesn't make sense. And then you're going to, you're going to find yourself in second and short and you're going to do a, a double reverse with Calvin Austin and then a jet sweep to Calvin Austin. Like it just, it, it, it seems like it's like one step forward, two steps back always when it comes to Matt Canada. But I think the more alarming part of this is just that like, if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, how much longer are you like putting up with this? You know what I mean? Like how much, how much more are you going to take before you start to, you stop to lose interest because the Pittsburgh Steelers can't win like this. You know, like they, the defense can't outscore the offense every week and you, you could win. And I think what last night showed us was the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have a great defense, even without Minka left at one point, there's no cam Hayward. You're dealing with injuries everywhere. They're still phenomenal. And George Pickens is a superstar. As long as you put the ball in his hands, Najee Harris and Jalen Warren are studs and the offensive line's fine. Like this team's built to do things. They just, their two most important pieces are their worst pieces. And I think you have to address it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when I said, you know, Matt, I didn't think Matt was the worst part of yeah, the yeah. offense last night. It wasn't that he was great. Yeah. Like he, like you said, the, the play calling in clutch moments was, was bad. Uh, it was, he got cute, you know, he got away from, from things that he knows works to try to, I don't know. I, in some ways it felt like, trying to prove that he he had a part in like it's not just all players talent like he has he's the creativity to scheme around teams no matter who his his yes. guys are and so sometimes that's sometimes that's just not uh that's that that that's just a detriment you know it's yeah. it's trying way too hard to prove that you are valuable when you can just make the right play call, but you can trust your playmakers. And sometimes that's just the mark of a good offensive coordinator. It's not being able to make plays with regardless of, or create plays, regardless of how talented your guys are. It's trusting talented guys when you have them. Exactly. And it just doesn't seem like Canada wants to do that. And maybe he doesn't trust these guys. You know, maybe that's the thing is he's just like, wow, these guys stink, but it just feels like he's fighting so hard. Like he's, it feels like he, the Pittsburgh Steelers understand what they do well. It's what they did well in the last eight games last season. It's what they did well or said all summer that they were going to do well this season. But you open the game without a rush on your first drive. Like, what? why? What was the point there? Uh, the point there was to try to get Kenny Pickett moving, was to try to get the passing game moving. And you just, it, the balance almost seems forced. Like, it almost seems like Matt Canada is a passing quarterback. It's a passing league that's how the Steelers are going to win if it's up to him. And when they find themselves in, you know, crappy situations, that's when things are like, 
oh, okay, well, now we have to now we have to run an actual offense, like an offense that could succeed in the NFL and succeed here. I just I agree with you. I, I you know, it, at times he got cute, but that's just at this point, it's like a revolving door. Like there's been no there's been such little progression, and it seems almost as if that progression does not come from Canada, but rather comes from like Tomlin or Rooney or whoever's forcing his hand. And when Canada has control, it goes back down. And at some point, at some point, I think it does have to be addressed. But there's, you know, I think we both can acknowledge that there's like almost zero chance the Steelers would make a move in season that this is Matt Canada's team. And no matter how good the Pittsburgh Steelers could be this season, they're not going to change an offensive coordinator, even if he is going to lose some games. Kenny Pickett, just like you said, is the other part of that, that stunk again last night i thought kenny missed a lot of throws his accuracy is terrible right now um it almost feels as if he's like trying to just showcase how strong his arm is and because of that he's throwing everything at everybody's feet and losing accuracy but i mean there were a couple plays where he missed guys wide open and then calvin the calvin austin throw i thought was the most alarming that and the george pickens slant where you know the ball is five yards in front of these guys and they're pretty open and there's just like nothing you could do there. I think I don't know what is up with Kenny. Maybe it's a confidence thing. Maybe it's not. But for right now, my outlook at Kenny Pickett is is very concerning and, and does not seem to be turning around. Yeah, I think you make a good point. Like it seemed like he had plenty of velocity on a lot of these throws, but it seems to have come at the. Uh, it, it seems to have come with through sacrificing accuracy. Like he yes. is, he's really trying to show off that arm, and it's not. It's not really making him any more any better of a passer. Um, you know, I thought some of the decision making was bad too. Like just not finding open guys. Like there were, there were just tons of plays out there to be made, and you kind of you're just on top of, you know, what did happen. Like the, some of the turnovers and everything like that. Uh, you are also left to wonder. Okay, if they if he had made that throw, if he had converted that third down, whatever. Uh, what happens next? You know, is he able to get into a rhythm? Is he able to find something new? But it just seems like he cut himself off and kind of shot the offense in the foot uh, every time that they had a chance to really get something going. Yeah, it, it, there's just no confidence in the guy right now. Like, I don't know where it all went, but Kenny Pickett, even talking to him afterwards, like you could tell that he wasn't pleased with the win. Like he didn't feel good about the situation or or his play at all. And this is two weeks in a row where it's just like, this is not the Kenny Pickett we saw all summer. This is not the Kenny Pickett that raved about confidence or that everybody voted as a team captain. I mean, that was that was literally what Tomlin said when Kenny was voted captain was it's just a vow of it, it's just it's it's what these guys see in the confidence in this guy and how much confidence he has. He looks scared out there. He looks like he has no idea what's going on and really like the game is just too fast and too big for him and he can't seem to get anything done. And the accuracy is just kind of coming with it. Like, I just, I don't know what the concern is. Is it fixable? That's the biggest question. Like is, is Kenny Pickett still a work in progress where it could get better? Or at this point is like, is every game are we inching too close to the sun to say, this is, this is just not it. I think it can be fixed. Um, I think when you watch that game, you, you're kind of left unsatisfied because there's no there's no one guy. You know, you can't mm-hmm. just say, "Well, Matt Cannon's the issue. Let's get rid of him, and everything will be fine." Or Kenny Pickett's the issue. Let's get rid of him. Everything will be fine. Um, you know, there was a lot going on, 
Um, and so I feel like we're never ever going to get like a true, a true evaluation of how good one, either Matt or Kenny are until one of them is gone until we're independent of that other variable. Uh, but I don't know. They're, they're kind of married to each other for at least another year. Like yeah. you said. Um, so I don't know. We're, like, I think that is fixable because I think it's just accuracy, like putting balls on guys and putting them into the right windows, um, which I guess I don't have a ton of actual evidence to back that up. But I don't know, just some, I think one of Kenny's strengths coming into the league was that he was accurate, you know, if yeah. nothing else, you know, if, even if he didn't have all the tools that you loved, he could put the ball in the right place and knew where to go with it. Um you know, maybe it's just maybe it's just taking him a minute. I, I, I don't know. But I, I'm more inclined to believe that these mistakes are fixable and it's not necessarily a complete indictment on on Kenny's ability to, to actually play in the NFL. Do you think it's the gloves? You think the gloves have anything to do with this? And I, like I, that's the super dumb question, but at this point it's gotta be asked. I don't know. I mean he threw in the preseason like I, that I feel like if that was an issue, it would have shown up Earlier. in the preseason. Yeah, it would have been it would be a consistent problem all the way through, but that's the thing that I don't think this has been a consistent problem for him. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just a thing that's popped up now that is alarming. I agree. I think that you have until the end of the season to turn this around. The unfortunate part for the Pittsburgh Steelers is just like I said, like this defense is good enough and I get it. Week one was terrible, but I think after last night you could at least to some degree chalk up week one to, just an overall per, poor performance, but you're going to run into more problems as the season goes on because your defense can't play like this. You know what I mean? We've seen it for the last two, three seasons. Your defense cannot withhold three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. It just doesn't work. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers offense does absolutely nothing to help their defense and their defense is exhausted by the end of the game. And like, I mean, I was in the locker room last night and Levi Wallace is sitting there and he's like, oh, I need an IV. I need an IV. Me and Amari Cooper are running the track meet out there. I can't even move. And I'm just like, dude, like that, this is week two. Like, and guys are this tired. It's just not going to, you're not going to hold up. You're just, you're not going to make it a whole season. If your offense does not do anything to help you out at least a little bit. And, and I think to be totally honest, I think the way that you avoid this is to run the football more. And the Steelers aren't going to do that. And when they are going to do that, they're going to run pitches with Najee Harris, who's the slowest running back in the NFL and makes absolutely zero sense to run a pitch. But again, it's a, that's a Mac that's, Hammond thing. Do you know is, another team that runs a pitch? Uh, the Patriots did on like a fourth and one or like a third and short on Sunday night. That was that was real bad. It was, <laughs> it got like blown up for like a loss of four yards in like so the happens. fourth quarter when they were down like seven, it was, so yeah, I, I know at least one team. Yeah. 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 And um, it didn't, it didn't work well. It didn't work but, well. But that is the other thing. Like, are we inching towards like a, like a Jalen takeover? Cause like he was definitively the better, but even yes. in the, after the fourth quarter when Najee had a couple big runs, uh, Jalen was consistently the better the better guy last night. I think that's other. That's another thing that we get to kind of grade Matt Canada on is how does he use these running backs and how does he use them to help out Kenny? Because the running game is obviously, like you said, going to be going to be huge moving forward. Yeah, I I don't know how you approach it because I agree with you. Like, 
I don't think Najee was was bad last night. I thought he showcased a little bit, but I look at Najee Harris as a guy that, like, I'm putting Najee out there 30% of the time. I'm putting Jalen Warren out there 70% of the time. I'm feeling really comfortable with that one-two punch because J- just like you said, dude, it's not like Jalen Warren. That's what we have to move away from. It's like Jalen Warren is this explosive. He's only going to get you 25 to 30 yards. No, Jalen Warren's going to catch a pass two yards past the line of scrimmage and get you 15 yards because he's going to fight through four guys and fall forward. Jalen Warren is going to make huge blocks. That that George Pickens catch, if you go back and watch it, you want to know who deserves all the credit on that? Jalen Warren, who picks up like four dudes by just pretty much running into them to create space for George Pickens. And I'm sorry, I don't know if Najee would or not, but if I had to guess, just just watching Najee's play, Najee would have danced around. He wouldn't have grabbed anybody. There wouldn't have been there wouldn't have been any attention on him whatsoever. And Pickens would have got tackled. Like it would have been a totally different play. Jalen Warren is everything you're looking for in a running back. It is at this point, it, it, like, there's no hiding it. You know what I'm saying? Like, last night, I think, just like you said, was proof that Jalen is the better running back. Do you think that there is a switch? Like, do you, like Najee's going to be the starter. That's not going to change. But do you think that we could see an evolution where Jalen kind of oversteps his, his carry total? Well, I think you kind of saw the beginning of it last night. I don't think Jalen got a ton of carries, but he had a bunch of touches like his – I think he had at least four catches, if not more. Um, so I think you end up with four catches, sixty-six yards, and then six rushes for twenty yards. Najee had ten carries for forty-three yards and one reception for zero yards. Yeah, we're starting to you're starting to see a much more even fifty-fifty split. Um, and I kind of suspect it. Like to be honest, I'm starting to think of it as like, okay, Jalen. Jalen can be your starter, carry the the load for three quarters, and then in the fourth quarter, you know, once you get a defense kind of worn down a little bit, that's where Najee can really shine and he can really and he can be a big part of finishing games for you. Um, I just I will say I don't think the offensive line did Najee a ton of favors last night, but no, but st- but that said, like Jalen is a back that I think is built much better to kind of overcome maybe some subpar run blocking. Yeah, I, but I also think the play calling affected how well the offensive line could block. Like there were, there were a ton of shotgun. I mean, and don't get me wrong. Like I, I think I think some guys played like you know Miles Garrett had like a tackle in the game, yeah. and you know so shout out to Chooks and shout out to Dan Moore. Um, I thought Isaac Siamalu struggled for a second week yeah. in a row. Mason Cole, yeah, is not the guy. Yeah, he's just not the guy. James Daniels, I didn't really get a huge read on, but there were no like glaring mistakes. Um, but I think the play calling, like, again, I'm not going to like excuse the offensive line because they did have holes. They did have problems, but I just felt like every run was like just an odd run. Like it wasn't like a, let's just, let's just hand it right up the middle and let Najee get four yards and see if he could burst one. It was like every rush has to go for 15 yards. Like that's just, that was the only thing that, that all outside handoffs, all shotgun handoffs, like dude, just line up in an eye formation or single back and hand the ball off and see what you could do. Like, you know, I just feel like in the NFL, especially against a team like the the Cleveland Browns, like that's how you win football games. And they just, they didn't do it. But I, I agree with you. I think the changes is, you know, 
somewhat evident. I, I don't know. The snap counts, I don't believe, came out yet as we're recording this. But uh, if I do imagine, I think Jalen probably outsnapped yeah. Najee. And that probably had something to do with circumstance. But also, just like you said, like Najee's built to close out games. Jalen's built to win you games. And that's two totally different running backs. And the Pittsburgh Steelers should 100% turn to Jalen Warren. But again, they're stubborn. This is what they do. And they they do not uh, they don't like change. Let's talk about TJ and Alex real quick. TJ obviously seals the game with a fumble recovery forced by Alex Highsmith, who had like a ridiculous game last night. That was I can't even say it was the best game of his career because last year against the Bengals might have been the best game of his career. The last night might have been right. It might have been one A, one B. You have no idea. Uh, Highsmith starts the game with a pick six. Never seen a line a linebacker run that fast in my life. Guy took mm-hmm. off and also. His coverage skills are so underrated for a guy who could also rush the passer. I know that that had a lot to do with Levi Wallace and Minka Fitzpatrick, but you know, like he was, he was alert enough to like find the ball, catch the ball. Um, and then TJ ends up with that one. I mean, I, I, I wish you could give defensive player of the year to two guys, because I think right now you're just like, it's just like, here guys, you guys are doing it. You've won games. There's, there's nothing left to say, but those two are unbelievable, man. Yeah. Absolutely, and uh, I I was really struck by you just listening to TJ talk post game. Like, did an interview with ESPN with Alec, uh, or uh, yeah, with Alex uh, after after the game, and then went into his press conference and said it again. But just like the glowing reviews, and it's clear that these guys have uh, a bond and a friendship that is genuine. Yes. Um, they are they are partners in this, and TJ clearly views Alex as an equal, as a peer, as the same kind of level of superstar as him, um, which I think is nice to see. And I think, you know, well-deserved for Alec. Like, I think you love when a guy gets paid and then backs it up, like, right away. Um, I think that's a really good feeling. Um, It's, uh, I don't know, pass rushers are the most valuable defenders in this league, and the Steelers have two of the best of them, and they proved why. Like, I think it's, it's unbelievable that, this game was book. So first, not only does the defense outscore the offense, which is partly concerning, but also pretty cool sometimes. Um, but then, you know, it's like bookending the game. It's setting the tone with a pick six. Yes. Uh, from Highsmith. And then it's closing that game out with a strip sack and a scoop and score. Um, that's, it, it was exactly what they needed. And they're two, those are the, I mean, those are the two best players on the team, right? Like those oh, are, yeah. Yeah, like so, and they they played like they're two best players on the team. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Is it's just like fun to watch, you know? Like when it was TJ, it was cool. It was like, oh man, TJ's so good. But, but now it's just like, oh, this is this one-two punch is, you know, like this is what Pittsburgh Steelers is. It, they are. This is what they are. They're worth every single penny. Anybody could say whatever they want. I saw some people tweet last night, and you know, I'll be reading your words a little bit about. Oh, this is the highest paid defense in the NFL. Yeah, it is. And those two are massive contributors to that. And they deserve every penny that they get because they won a football game last night. They did. They won the game. The game is yeah. not won without those two on the field. Um, hands down. Also, it's not going to end. It's never going to end. It's going to be a thing throughout their entire career. But I don't know how many times TJ Watt has to have a better game than Miles Garrett before we could just end the conversation of Miles Garrett is not like it's not there. I woke up this morning, checked the defensive player of the year odds. Miles Garrett is still above TJ Watt in defensive player of the year odds, and he's going to stay that way. And it just 
Like it just, Dan Moore is not that good, man. Like he's not, he's not good enough to say, oh, well, you know, Miles getting like, you can't, can you blame him? It was Dan Moore Jr. Nobody's saying that. They're saying he should have a ridiculous game and he didn't. And meanwhile, TJ Watt, for one, beat like four holds that I caught. And for two, Dewan Jones falls started on literally every single snap. And not like the, the Dewan, Ch- the Yuan Taylor, Taylor. I can't talk. You want it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like getting off right before the snap or the Lane Johnson getting off right before the snap. No, like I'm talking like hike the ball. <laughs> like, you know, it was so bad and mm. he still beat it. I just, you know, the conversation at some point, we got to stop talking about it. Yeah. I did see someone, someone was in like Chris Carter's mentions or something, uh, talking about like, Oh, well, Kenny was like getting the ball out really quickly. And no, he was so not. When you think about, yeah, when you think about like total pressures and stuff, that's the stuff you really got to measure. I was like, what are you talking about? The guy had one tackle. What? And yeah, you were right. Kenny is not getting the ball out quick. That is the opposite of what he's doing. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah, they and were. They ran to Miles Garrett's side almost exclusively, and he did not do anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. And it's like, oh, okay. Like Miles Garrett in hypothetical situation. Like, I don't know. TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith made the actual plays and won the game. I get that's that shouldn't be the end all be all, especially for a defensive player. But I don't know when two guys clearly make a much bigger impact on winning than another. Like I don't understand how you can kind of keep going back and forth in this circle with Miles Garrett as as your guy over them and still give it to him. Like it just it doesn't make any sense. It's going to continue. It's never going to stop. I'm, I bet you they're talking about it on ESPN right now. I bet you somewhere, some guys just like, well, Miles Garrett was, you know, held in this and blah, 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 blah. And okay. Sounds good, man. Look at if you're making a prototypical edge rusher or pass rusher or defensive lineman or whatever he plays, I get, it sounds, yeah. Miles Garrett's the guy. That's the guy I'm putting on the field to say this. It looked like this. You want to be successful? Look like this. You want to play, you, you want to play football and be productive? BTJ Watt. That's just clear as day. No questions asked. JJ Watt sent out a tweet agreeing with us. So that's how you know it's real. I trust him. That's a- yeah. He's the most unbiased voice I think you could possibly ask in the argument. All right. Biggest question before we head out here the Pittsburgh Steelers are one and one. They're currently a game out of first place in the AFC North, game out of the playoffs. It's only two weeks in. I fully understand it. They go from an absolute train wreck of a performance in week one against San Francisco 49ers to a win that took everything they had, but showcased that they really do have some superstars on this team and they have to overcome their offensive coordinator and their quarterback. I understand that, but if they could, you know, the upside might be there. Where do you see the Steelers right now in the grand scheme of things? And what do you think the potential is of this team in 2023? I don't think my expectations have changed really Whoa. at all. I still think it's it's like ten wins or bust. It's like playoff playoff berth or bust. Um I think especially when you look at the rest of the division, no one no one looks good. Uh, I nope. mean Ravens, I guess, but even then I don't think you've been super impressed with everything they've done and we still haven't had our uh annual Lamar injury, so True. like there's there's a lot there's a lot of ball left to play, but Cleveland doesn't scare you, certainly. Uh, neither do the Bengals. Um, I think uh, you don't have to look much further than just the rest of the division, the rest of the division struggling as well to be be optimistic about where they can go and, and think that a playoff playoff berth is still on the table, even if even while the offense looks a little 
lackluster. Yeah, I uh, as crazy as it sounds, the AFC right now looks like an absolute crapshoot and emphasis on the crap because <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs don't look that all that great. The Jacksonville Jaguars look good at the end of games, bad at the beginning of games. The Indianapolis Colts might be the most impressive team in the in the whole conference right now. As crazy that is, um, you, you just you just have no idea. Like the Buffalo Bills are not impressive. The New York Jets are probably a, a playoff team, but how bad Ooh, could Zach Wilson be before you know you remove them from that category? Like because he, you want to talk about bad quarterbacks? He's he's ten times worse than Kenny Pickett right now. You just you have no idea what's going to go on. You've zero idea. Like if you had to pick a a winner of the AFC right now, you're you're possibly betting on the Ravens. Like maybe, and you don't feel good about that. Yeah, I was going like, to say I don't know if I would bet on that. That. No, the Denver Broncos were supposed to be good. They might be the worst team in football. The The Raiders stink. The Chargers, they always stink, but they stink again, no matter how good that team could possibly be. The Nick Chubb's out for the season. Joe Burrow's hurt right now. Just like you said, like there's, there's zero reason for anybody in the AFC to say I am superior. The Pittsburgh Steelers, even with their issues, are, are still very much so in the mix. I think even more in the mix. Like if this is... Yeah. The beginning of the season, if this is two weeks ago, we're talking about, oh, my gosh, this is this is it, man. Like, I just the, the Steelers, the Steelers are never going to be able to compete with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills or the Jets or the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, all those teams stink. So, yeah, we did forget Miami. Thank you, Nick. Uh, uh, Miami does look very, very, very good. But I don't know. They played they played New England to a one score game. And I think the Steelers are better than the Patriots. Like. This is me too, but the Patriots, like in New England, division game, it's not, it's not the same thing anymore. It's no, like playing in New England is not really that. It's not really. It's not like AFC East. You don't say an AFC East. No, no, not really. Because well, because the Patriots also always stink against the Dolphins. This is uh, that's true. So that's true. That is true. The Dolphins might be it though. I mean, outside of Baltimore, like the Dolphins are. Well, and I'm much they're the more only two to... impressive teams right now. Yeah, and I'm much more willing to bet on Miami than Baltimore. Um, so. Yeah, but yeah, but two is going to get like that's the thing. You're, you're what are you betting on? What quarterback goes down first? Like it's you know yeah, pretty one, much. You're, yeah, you're in, you're in some serious trouble once that goes down. Unless Mike White is the savior, which very much so could be. No. You know, Mike White, Mike White, lightning. Yeah, no disrespect to no yeah, disrespect no. to that guy. I would no, never, never, never. Not after what I've seen him do. Um, but that's the thing is like the AFC just ain't it. The Pittsburgh Steelers are very much so in this. The problem is, is that you got to fix that offense before things become too bad that you can't handle it. And 17 games is a long time to ship your defense out there for 80% of a ball game and say, yeah, you guys will be fine. Don't worry. Everything will be okay. <laughs> like eventually guys are going to break down. You're going to deal with more injuries. You're going to lose some superstars. And you're you, right now you have a 33 year old cornerback playing most of the game. Like, you can't, you just can't you can't bank on that. So if you don't fix it sooner rather than later, I I don't know where my expectations lie. Yeah, oh definitely it's yeah. There are there's still a lot of questions. Um I feel like this win feels good, but it, this win stabilized you, but now yes. you've still got to answer a bunch of questions and and get a lot better before you know, you can seriously consider, you know, playoff run what the future holds, anything like that. I think the good news is that the schedule gets a little easier and steam has proved continuity helps, you know, like moving through the season, they 
I'm willing to bet on them getting better as the year goes on. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's a wait and see game. Week three, San San Francisco 49ers. That was week one. Las Vegas Raiders. I'm still exhausted. I cannot (laughs) wait to go to bed. Um, San Francisco. No, I did it again. Las Vegas Raiders week three in what's their what's their Allegiant Allegiant. Yes. Allegiant Stadium. The spaceship out in Vegas. It's going to be a good time. Another primetime game. So an opportunity for everybody to say, see, hear and boo Matt Canada and Kenny Pickett. We'll see what happens. Expectations are still high. With that, we're heading out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash All Steelers Talk, and find us anywhere that you get your podcast. Check out everything throughout the week at allsteelers.com and our pick coverage as they look to bounce back once again at insidethepanthers.com. We will be back on Wednesday. Enjoy a beautiful day in the Berg. Peace.